Boy, that'll straighten out your worry lines and your anxiety lines to think about the goodness of our Lord and what He's done for us. You know, the Scriptures say, God, you make known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal joys at your right hand. And uh, I remember hearing that song for the first time. I remember when David and Jeanette sang that song. I can only imagine. Uh, and the blessing that was. I remember when Donna Fry sang Give Me Jesus uh, here and how much that meant to me to hear that. And every time I hear that song, I think about that again. Uh, there is a great praise that happens every Lord's Day when we come together. And uh, just to have some of you come up to me and, and note, uh, Ted McClennan came up this morning and said, Bill, you got to have to bend that right leg and keep it moving. Uh, it's a joy for me to be here without a cane, without a walker today, and, and know that God is working to heal me beyond the surgery. It's a great thing to come into the Lord's house and see Janie Fisher after all the, the liver struggle she's had and the issues to be here to worship. Uh, there is so much uh, to give God gratitude for, and no better place to do it than with God's people. And I just celebrate having a church family like you this morning. You know, it, it was a work that came from the heart of a woman like, like Peggy Myers or uh, a Janie Fisher because it was a hymn that was published in 1848 in Miss Cecil Alexander's Hymns for Little Children. Uh, the hymn may have been inspired by a verse from Samuel Taylor Coleridge's The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, but it's the title of my message this morning, and it's from the hymn that I believe shares God's vision for us as his children and as a church. The lyrics say, all things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. Each little flower that opens, each little bird that sings, he made their growing colors, he made their tiny wings. He gave us eyes to see them and lips that we might tell. How great is God Almighty who's made all things well. That's a far cry from this little light of mine or Jesus loves me that we sing as children. But today, as we think about the life that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the rewards that he gives us within this life and the healing grace that is only found in a personal conversation with Jesus as Savior and Lord, I think all things bright and beautiful might be the, the, the title assigned to our lives even to a psalm written by Jesse's youngest son and Solomon's father in the Bible, which of course was David. And I want you to remember this morning a time before the gold, a time before the palace, a time before the, the robes and the finery of the palace in Jerusalem. I want you to go back to the time with me when David was but a shepherd on a hillside in the fields around the city of his birth, Bethlehem. And from the fields to the tent to the cave, he developed a vision that erupted into song, and perhaps it was midnight when he first was inspired to write this song. Perhaps the sky is, is unpolluted and filled with a, a billion stars as he sings. But I want you to go with me, if you would, to Psalm 8. And I want to read this psalm of David's. In Psalm 8, we read... Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. 
When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rule over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swims in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, all things bright and beautiful just echo the glory of who you are and the wonder that you would choose to reveal yourself to people like us this morning right here in Springfield, Ohio. That through each snowflake, through each, each individual who we look upon this morning, through every flutter of little wings, through every change of season, Father, we can find you because you're not hidden. Father, I pray that you would just impress yourself upon us this morning, that we might echo back to you the glory that belongs to you and you alone. And Father, I pray this in Jesus' beautiful, close name. Amen. You know, David's words, I believe, in Psalm 8 were not penned for Israel alone. I think in a very profound way they are for us today. They're picked up by Paul when he writes, I believe, in the letter to the Hebrews and later on. And even our Lord and Savior Jesus himself would pick up the strains of Psalm 8 and speak them in his daily steps of submission and obedience upon this earth. And I, th I think they speak to God's value system that we should have within our lives as well. That we are made and created in his image. And, and so whether you are here this morning, just to check out more about who Jesus is or, or what the church is all about, or whether you've been walking with the Lord for a long time as a true follower of Jesus, I believe the message of this psalm, the message of scripture is for you. An unpolluted sky, an unpolluted heart that's able to say, I love the Lord for what you've revealed yourself to be. And I pray this morning that yourself, your whole self, wounded by actions in the past, wounded by actions in the present, glorified by things that God has given you in the past and present, I pray that you can be strengthened in God. And I think there's two ways by this psalm that you can be strengthened. And the first is this. Friends, I think God desires his majesty he desires his majesty to be experienced through the creation all around us. David Bailey, a couple of weeks ago in his communion meditation, shared uh, the, the image that you have before you from the Hubble telescope. The vast heavens, just that little finger glimpse of it, just a portion of the heavens. You know, the heavens have a purpose. The outward glory images the inward and the spiritual glory because the stars will stand as a silent witness for God. When you look at space, there's no air in space. There's, there's no sound waves, we're told, to project sound through space. And we've been told for generations that nothing is more deafening 
than the silence of outer space. In fact, if you remember back to the movie Alien, it was promoted with the sound, no one can hear you scream in space. Well, that was years ago. But two years ago, through the Perimeter Institute, when they published their findings, they said this, sounds are transmitted in the vacuum of space by electromagnetic waves that we've learned to distinguish. In fact, the sounds they create can be jarring, eerie, and often strikingly beautiful. Physicist Jan Eleven gave a TED Talk saying, the universe has a soundtrack, a sonic composition that records some of the most dramatic events in outer space. And, and I love, I'm going to share some of those with you in, in just a moment. But Thomas Carlyle wrote these words, when I've gazed into the stars, have they not looked down upon me? as with pity from their serene spaces, like eyes glistening with heavenly tears over the little lot of man. That's so profound. Or maybe if the 19th century writers and mathematicians are not your style, how about a deeper theologian from July the 22nd of 1973 that I bear a strong resemblance to, Charlie Brown. <laughs> He's having a conversation with Linus as he searches the sky. And he says, it has to be up there somewhere, but where? And Linus asks him, what are you looking for, Charlie Brown? My star. Out of all those millions of stars, there must be one that I can call my own. And Charlie Brown tries to find that one star. And he says, Charlie Brown, finding one star among billions is impossible. There's no way that you can possibly find There it is, he interrupts. There it is. I found it. Look, Linus, which one? Where is it? I'm pointing right at it. <laughs> that fuzzy blue one? No, 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 to the left. The big bright yellow one? No, not that one. Charlie Brown, you don't mean that faded little speck that keeps blinking on and off. That's the one, Charlie Brown says. That's my star. And Linus says, only Charlie Brown could pick a star that needs batteries. <laughs> The glory of God in the heavens should humble us. And it should also awaken us to the reality that the same God that rules above rules below. And it says in Psalm 147, verse 4, he determines the number of stars and he calls each one by name. Doesn't it follow, friends, that if God cares so much for the stars above, that he would care so much more for you and me? The argument of the Lord that applies to the heavens, that applies to all of creation, that we sang about this morning even, applies in Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus said. They don't soar, they don't store or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Though overwhelmingly rhetorical, Every soul here this morning, every gut in this room should say, yes, my heavenly Father, the great creator of all of this, cares for me. So when Satan tries to whisper to you and say, you know, your ideas don't count for much. When discouragement whispers to you and says to you, you know, your life doesn't count for much. The great God of the universe says, but by my economy... You mean so much. Your life counts for so much. 
Well, here's the second thing this morning. God's pleasure for, for his glory to be revealed in his creation not only comes from without, but it also comes from within. Now, again, if I could just take a moment to remind you, for generations, scientists said that there is nothing more deafening than the silence of outer space. But again, as I mentioned through that TED Talk of, of Jan 11, she said the Van Allen radiation belt around the Earth, the collision of two black holes collected as the LIGO chirp, neutron stars, solar flares are just a few of the voices of the universe. In fact, I want, to hear you, I want you to hear two sounds from the soundtrack of the universe. Would you play the first two there? eerie, isn't it? Or how about this one? Isn't it interesting that God's iPod has a playlist? God's iPad ha has a rhythm that he plays out over and over again. But I want you to know that even though, and those are just two out of so many sounds that come from a silent universe, there are songs that please the heart of God more. Songs like this one. Or songs like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now oh, I am found. Was blind, but now I see. You see, the scriptures say that God inhabits the praise of his people. God desires his majesty not just to be seen through all of creation, but above all, he desires to see the glory of his majesty displayed in you. Christ in you, the writer of Colossians would say, the hope of glory. He desires his pleasure to be revealed in all living things, created to the fullest expression of the heart of God. Of you and of me, it is said in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. It's only through men and women, only through mankind, man made in God's image, that God could fully reveal himself. And any man-made attempt, friends, to silence the voice of God in creation is a sin. I think of our Savior in Matthew chapter 21. It begins that last week of Jesus' life. He enters Jerusalem in what we would call the triumphal entry on the back of a, of a foal, a beast of burden, and the crowd is shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he enters into the temple. And there are those there that are trying to put a price tag on religion, not realizing it's about the reality of relationship. And God will not stand for anyone or anything that tries to keep people from reaching him. And so he begins to cleanse the temple. And it's there that, that these money changers and sellers and the religious leaders will ask him, whose authority, by whose authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the right 
not realizing the Son of God being the, the, the Father himself, God in the flesh, had every right. But they would complain against him. And I want you to see in Matthew 21 what their complaint is. Matthew 21 In verse 14, the blind and the lame came to Jesus at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the, what? Children shouting in the temple, shouting Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They ask him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? Now, if you were paying attention earlier, you know that came out of the psalm that we read that Jesus is quoting. And Luke's gospel will go further to say that Jesus will say to them, I tell you, if these children keep quiet, the very stones will cry out. How often God uses young people, children, to express his praise, whether it was the infant Moses being set adrift or whether it was Joseph as a young man choosing to be pure when he had the chance to be impure, whether it was Josiah, just a boy leading a nation in a revival or the little slave girl that reminded the prideful Naaman, all you have to do to be healed is listen to God's servant Elisha and go be dipped in the Jordan River. Or the little boy who donated his sack lunch to Jesus so that 5,000 men alone plus women and children could be fed. Above all, you remember today that the gift of a child in Bethlehem, not David in Psalm 8, but the one of whom the angels would sing in Luke 2.10 when the angels said to them, Don't be afraid because I bring you great tidings of great joy that shall be for all the people in Springfield Church of Christ, in Springfield, Ohio, in Clark County, in all the world. That today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you and he is Christ Jesus the Lord, the Messiah, the Lord. Friends, we were created to reflect, to shine, to shout, to sing, to pray the glory of God revealed in us in all of life. Now, connecting this to the story of Nehemiah, I want you to go back with me, and I'll wrap it up here in just a moment. In Nehemiah chapter 4, you see, I, I rarely do... Uh, deductive sermons where I don't tell you from the start this is the passage we're going to follow all the way through. But I want you to see what David's focus on a life that reflects the majesty of God from birth to a hundred years of age or plus, how it matters here in Nehemiah 4. It's one of those times that the people are motivated to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And, and one of the reasons Nehemiah reminds them or motivates them to do so is he brings it closer to home. In Nehemiah 4, verse 13, he says this, Then I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families, by families with their swords, their, their spears and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families. 
fight for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, that God had frustrated, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. And what you will see time and time again in Nehemiah 4 and 5 is that he would station people right outside their front doors to the wall that was facing their front door and say, if you're going to rebuild the wall, remember it's the glory of God you're protecting and it makes a difference to your own family. So let me, like Nehemiah, bring this a little closer to home for us today. We're talking about a 2020 vision for the church. And that vision has to include a work for our families. It has to include a work for everyone from infancy on up to the grandparents that are here today. I want you to think about how we minister to young people as as a church family. Yes, last week we talked about how we support the work of the Pregnancy Resource Center on South Limestone. And every year you can participate in blessings in a bottle and it makes a huge impact. But even apart from that, you know, we were talking in Sunday school this morning with the young people about how we do the one another, one anothering of the Bible and how it happens through the giving that we do. And most of our young people have to say, I really don't know where that goes to. And that doesn't just apply to teenagers, that applies to adults sometimes. But did you know that through giving we support Young people through the Christian Children's Home of Ohio. People that are in desperate circumstances without parents, without grandparents to love them or provide for them. You do that. We support young people at the Mountain Mission School in Grundy, Virginia. People pulled out of impoverished circumstances and put through school and through even college and on to careers. And what a great graduation rate they have. Until recently, we supported the Pristina High School in Kosovo. And now things will be changing in support there as well. But we have supported them. We've supported young people to go to to Butler Springs Christian Camp that's impacted so many of you. And if you look, you know our missions giving at this church is 10% of everything that comes in. And by God's grace, friends, we need to get that back up to 15%. Amen? We need to honor God with better than our first fruits and better than what we do. We need to remember what happens because of the gratitude we have for God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 13 it says this. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. You may never see the face of a young person at the Christian Children's Home of Ohio. You may never volunteer or participate at Butler Springs. You may not be here when when the missions come to to explain how many kids accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and were baptized in the pool there at, at Butler Springs. But friends, if you draw close to your Heavenly Father, you can hear their laughter. You can hear their songs of salvation because you gave. And then here at home, we cannot and we dare not underestimate the ministry that takes place in this church to infants, to children, and young adults, and families that God has blessed us with. In fact, I reflected on that this past two weeks, and I can't share everything with you this morning, 
But friends, I, I want you to know the command of Scripture is not just for elders, okay, or deacons in a church. It's for every one of us. In Proverbs 23, or 27, 23, we're reminded, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Last year, we averaged 116 in worship. Now, out of 116, how many do you think, I know you're going to see the numbers behind you, but you might be surprised to think how many people any given Sunday work with anyone from infancy up through high school. Out of 116, nine people. That's 8% that you ought to be given thanks and praise for every Lord's Day. Our budget last year was $216,335. And out of that, how much went to the ministry with children? And young adults. If you include the money that went to, to missions that work with children and adults, you're going to find with that, along with supporting a children's director and educational materials like the Sunday school curriculum we have, it's $25,955. That's 12%. That's good. That doesn't even include the money we have from like blessings in a bottle. But friends, you deduct the missions giving from that. And that means that including a children's director and curriculum in this church, less than 5.33% goes to building the young people and the families that come up with them through this church. I think we can do better. Friends, most of you will go out to eat or some of you will go out to eat today and you'll leave a tip on the table. And if you look, do you know what the average giving for a lunch is today? For if you're going to give a tip, what is it? Anywhere between 10 and 15%. So I just want to ask this morning, is our giving matching up to what we say is important as a church? That might mean you need to take some money away from the preacher so that it goes to ministering to children and families. That might mean we, need, we might need to do away with a little less in our vacations at home so that children are reached and ministered to. Friends, the best illustration I ever heard to explain this outside of the Bible, it came from Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist. He was done with the revival of speaking, and, and somebody said, well, how did it go? He said, well, only two and a half people were saved. And, and they said to him, oh, you mean two adults and a, and a child? He said, no, two children, one adult. Because for the adult, half of their life is already passed. But when you save a child, you save a whole life to eternity. Most people that are going to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will do so before the age of 18. Now there are many times we find people as adults that accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but man, I don't know about you, I'm interested in saving a whole life. Whether it's a half a life in this life, because really for eternity, friends, I want to see you there. I want to see my neighbors there. I want to see people I encounter every day in glory. But I want to see a child come to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to see parents accepting him as Lord and Savior so that their home is set on the right track. As the psalmist said, Lord, you make known to me the path of life. And I want to see a whole family walking on that path to glory. I want to see children, whether they are, are just newborn or whether they're children that are 35 years old, that know what it means to honor their father and mother and honor God through that gift. You see, God made eyes to see he made the hearts to feel and voices to proclaim his praise. And as much as we mature and develop, friends, we can't leave it 
to the rocks to cry out. We can't leave it to the universe that we thought was silent and yet does have a voice. We can't leave it to its chirps and patters and words to declare the glory of God. Because God wants to display his dignity, his destiny in his design of you and me and this church. So whether you're one day old or a hundred days old or a hundred years old, is your life reflecting the design, the dignity, and the destiny God created it for? And if we're going to talk about 2020 vision, are we living towards the design that God has for us? Friends, I'm going to ask you to stay with me this morning. I want to pray for us as a church. I want to pray for you as individuals, and then we're going to sing a song of decision this morning. Some of you, it's time to receive the design that God has over your life. Friends, you have allowed this universe to cry out too long. It's your turn to cry out to the Lord who saves. To say, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. The forgiveness that you paid for, that you purchased with your very own blood, so that I would never have to pay a debt that I could not pay. You need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know you need to be baptized. You need to have your sins washed away. You need the gift of the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, so that your song can really begin. For some of you, it means it's time to place your membership here as a church family. The Bible says they gathered together and they learned the apostles' teaching. They gathered for fellowship and the Lord's Supper and prayer. This life is meant to be done in family. And they were called Christians first at Antioch, at the Antioch Christian Church. For some of you, it's time. You've been asking questions for so long. It's time to ask those questions in the context of family and say, I need people that will pray me through this. Because my life, I've recognized God's design over my life, but the destiny, I'm not sure of. And maybe it's time for us as a church to repent and return to God's design. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a time where we, we not only continue in our worship of you, but you called for us to be living sacrifices and for some of us, that means we need to, to put down our agendas. We need to put down our budgets and start talking about what you budget is most important in your kingdom. And whatever it costs, Lord, we want to bring you pleasure and be stewards of your gifts according to your plan. Father, I want to bless you for every little one in the nursery. I want to bless you for every child upstairs every teenager that has come through this church. Father, I bless you for every adult that has given up an hour of their day to teach or to pray or lead. I want to thank you for every adult, some in this church that have never had kids, but they have been out for a Coke with a young person just to say, what's going on in school? What's going on in your life? And they've connected with them and shown them that their faith is more than just saying, God, what can you do for me? But it's led them to say, God, what can you do through me? And they've chosen to, to put an arm around a young person. They've chosen to follow their, 
sports and activities. They've chosen to pray them through some of the tough changes in life from adolescence through college and career. Father, you've given each of us a great responsibility in this church. And as long as you continue to place that, that cause, that trust in us, find us faithful. Father, we repent of the times that we fall short of your design and we pray that you would just lead us on your path of everlasting life. But let it always be for your praise, your honor, and your glory. And we pray that now it would be through one more life surrendered to you in Jesus' name. Amen.